presence and mighty power. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. The word of the Lord. Everybody said praise the Lord. If you have a Bible, I'm turning to the book of Galatians. Wonderful for each of you to be here. We want to enjoy the great presence of God here after this good spirit. All right. Okay. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Beginning with verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently or obviously set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect or complete by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth, it, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, want to work for a little while this morning on moving forward, moving forward. You may be seated, the Lord bless you. Certainly one of the tactics, strategies of the enemy, one of the things that he tries to accomplish is to get us to go any way but forward. Now, one place in the scripture, the writer Paul inspired, he said, knowing the forwardness of your mind. And so, as ministry, as pastor, we try to give you credit and have faith in just that that the forwardness of your mind, that it is in you, innate, uh, built in through this great salvation, a forwardness, a going forward, that we're not going to go backward, we're not going to turn right or left, but we're going to go forward. The forwardness of your mind, that our minds are set on going forward. We're not going to allow the enemy to turn us around and get us back in the flesh. We're going to move forward in the spirit. We're feeling after God, and we want his grace, his favor. We know from whence we've come, and we intend to keep on knowing where we're going. All right? Very important. This is something that needs to be focused 
and refocused in our lives on a daily basis through prayer, through Bible study, through worship, services, every involvement in the spiritual things, helping us to remember who we are, where we've come from, and where we're going. These things can get dull. These things can slip away. Is it not written that we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip? So we don't want to let this slip away from us. We don't want to let this to get lost in the shuffle, so to speak. And uh, also the busyness of life. Life is busy. It, it does have its demands. And there are things that pressure us. And uh, if we're not careful, we can lose our priorities. We can get forgetful about what our priority is to be. We want to ask God to help us to be, as it's taught in the Scripture, renewed. And that we're saved by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Titus 3 and 5. After you get born again, it does not stop. You do not just set it aside or walk away from it or, you know, somehow or another let it become dull. And that's a Bible word. We don't want to be dull of hearing. We do not want to allow ourselves to let the enemy pull these tricks on us, take advantage of our, and one place did talk about lest Satan get an advantage of us. So we don't want to let him get that advantage. We don't want that at all. We want to absolutely stay sharp. Not dull, but sharp. And we, we want to maintain our advantage that God has given to us when he gave us this experience. When we got baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, all our sins were washed away and forgiven. And when we received the great and glorious gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of eternal life, we want to have a sharp focus on what God did for us. And you got to fight for that. There's a lot of things that want to knock that out of focus. There's a lot of things that want to come along and dull, dull us, make us just get dull. There are many things that Satan employs. Uh, I'm going to read to you from the Old Testament, from the book of Deuteronomy. Now, the reason that we're getting this book of Deuteronomy, which is the book of the second law, or the second time of giving and telling the law, as a remembrance of the law, is because 
having come out of Egypt, which is a type of the world, as God visited them in Egypt according to his promise to the fathers, which would have been Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who persevered under difficult circumstances. And they pushed forward. And they pushed the promise forward, telling the, their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, telling them that the Lord's going to visit you. There will come a time you'll find yourself in bondage. You'll actually become slaves. He said, but God's going to visit you. God's going to send salvation. God's going to raise up a deliverer. And he's going to bring you out. It'll be about 400 years. It's going to be a wait. But you, you keep teaching it. You have an obligation to hand this down no matter what happens. No matter what comes against us, no matter what kind of struggle, difficulty you find yourself in, you keep repeating and repeating and repeating. Bring that message, bring that lesson. It's been said that repetition is the essence of learning. You got to keep on saying it, you got to keep on giving it. You go back and forth over it again and again and again. It's been said. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. And I can testify to that personally. There are things that I learned as a young man and that in growing up and that I don't use those things anymore. And because I don't use them, they're out of sight and out of mind. Now, there's some things that that's good about. Because when I came into church, I got baptized in Jesus' name, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, friend, old things were passed away. And behold, all things became new. I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. It was like life really began at that point. And so things that I once learned I've forgotten those things. And I'm glad to have forgotten those things. I put those things behind me. You know, put them behind me. I um, am thinking of reading to you from the 11th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Verse 1. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes, and his judgments, and his commandments always, all the time. And know ye this day, now listen to what he says, for I speak not with your children, which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement or the teaching and training of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm, and his miracles, 
and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto all his land, and what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day, and what he did unto you in the wilderness until you came into this place, and what he did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their households and their tents and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. Verse 7, But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Now, God has done something for you. And this is a shadow and type from the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament times. So here we are in this dispensation known as grace. This time that I read to you from Deuteronomy is known as the law. The dispensation of the law. And uh, the law was all a preview. Things that were given in shadows and type. A very shadow of the things to come. And not the very thing themselves. Many simple examples. They were told to take a lamb, the firstling of their flock, and to sacrifice it once a year at the Passover. And that lamb in shadow and type and preview represented Jesus, the Christ, the flesh, the sacrifice that would be given on the cross for everybody. He becomes our Passover which means that he shed his blood. And in so doing, as they did in the Old Testament, according to the law, they were told, you take that sacrifice, you take the blood of that lamb that you sacrificed, and you paint the doorpost of your house in that blood. That way, when the death angel comes through the land, he'll see that blood. And he will not come into your house. But every house where there is no blood. You know what that's saying? New Testament wise that's saying every house that the people are not baptized in the name of Jesus Christ the death angel is going to take them. Not just that they're going to die physical death. Oh no. But that they're going to die See, there's three types of death. There's spiritual death. That's when we, we're dead in sin. And everybody's born that way. Then there's physical death. It's appointed unto man once to die. And then there's the third type of death, which is eternal death, where we're separated from God for all of eternity. And that's what he's saying. The death angel will bring eternal death to you. He will take you into everlasting habitation, 
of hell, fire, and brimstone because you're not baptized in Jesus' name. I think I've told you before I was what used to be you saved. I had gone there and uh, when I came out, I got in my vehicle and I started to leave the parking lot and I saw an elderly gentleman and he was putting flyers, pieces of paper under windshield wipers. And uh, I rolled down my window and I said, I hope that you're telling people to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and to receive the Holy Ghost. And he said, well, he said, you know, I baptize him either way. He said, being baptized and not being baptized in Jesus' name isn't going to keep you out of heaven. And I said, sir, I said, let me tell you what will keep you out of heaven. He looked at me. And I said, not being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ will keep you out of heaven. Because there'll be no blood. The blood is in the name of Jesus Christ. And without that blood, there is no remission of sins. No pardon of sins. No forgiveness of sins. Everybody said amen. amen. So, <clears throat> here in this shadow and type of the Old Testament, they're being given the law, they're being given commandments that they're told to do. Make sure you do them. And make sure that you hand this down. You have an obligation to hand it down to those who have not seen or experienced yet what the Lord has done. They're going to get their experience, but their experience is not your experience. Your experience belongs to you. And you have an obligation to keep that alive, to keep that on the forefront of their consciousness, as it is written in Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, He is one. And thou shalt love Him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. And you are to teach this to your children. You are to do that. You have an obligation. This has got to go to the next generation. And the next generation and here we are, church family, you know, almost 6,000 years down the road of man's recorded history since Genesis 1 and 1. Here we are. And we're still preaching it. We're still teaching it. And by God's grace, we're still living it. We're still celebrating it. And we're going to hand this down. The enemy wants to crush that out. The enemy wants to dilute that and rub it out, water it, water it away. But you and I have an obligation today, this very morning, you have an obligation. In your home, you have an obligation. You want to keep the blood over the doorpost. You want your children to be protected. You want them 
to grow up knowing something of what you know. Experiencing something of what you've experienced. And Moses alluded to you. You saw what the Lord did. You experienced this for yourself. His great power. His mighty acts. The way he whooped the socks off the enemy. He did that for you. He brought you out of Egypt, brought you out of the world, brought you out of sin with a high and a mighty arm. With great power and great glory, he did that. And you know that. People who have gotten this experience and gone back and turned away, let me tell you something. They never completely get away. It pounds away at them day and night because as Moses said you know as opposed to them that have not known it is written also that it's better not to have known than to know and turn back far better for you to have tasted of the powers of the world to come and let that slip away. It's beyond description how terrible and tragic that is. How the grief and the, the loss will be in that day when people are faced. I think of the rich man who fared sumptuously every day, did whatever he wanted to do, had the means, you know. God blesses us. And I've told you many times, I hope he blesses you, every one of you, with a limousine, as long as you don't get in it and drive off, you know. As long as you use whatever God gives you for his glory and for the furtherance of his kingdom. For what he gave it to you for. God gives you a good education. God makes the way possible. God gives you a good job. He blesses you on your job. He opens doors for you. You get promotions. Your, your salary increases. Many things take place. Good things. Good things. That's for a reason. God opens those doors for a reason. He makes the way. Or you don't just take it for granted. You don't, the enemy wants you to, you know, figure that it's some natural reason why all these good things have taken place and are taking place. But you know better. You know better. Because you have experienced the goodness of God. You've experienced the mighty presence of the Lord. New Testament wise, He saved you from sin. He filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And makes you think about this rich ruler, this blessed ruler 
this man who was enjoying everything every day, the comforts of life, and felt like, got it made now. As he moved into that realm of forgetting God, forgetting how it came and where it came from. And he, he began to look at the church sideways. He began to disdain those that were hanging in there and those that were appreciative. And as one place talked about an individual who he and his house joined hard to the church. They weren't at ease in Zion. They weren't taking it easy. They were involved. They were involved. And uh, this man began to look at those that were living like that and look down his nose. He began to grow cold. He began to have less and less to do. He was falling into the trap of the enemy. A very typical trap. Trap. That I tell you, if people could testify to you from the grave, like this rich individual who died, as we all will, and how he lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment. And things that he should have done that he did not do, he began to do them. I know how to pray. I pray thee, Father. I have family. Send one of those that joined hard to the church. Send him back. And tell my brother, don't come here. Don't come here. Don't follow the example I left you at the end. Don't do that. Because I'm in a place of torment. I'm in a place where I can't get out of. No matter how much money I had. It doesn't do me any good here. It's not a currency that is accepted. It's not a negotiable instrument that I can employ. I have nothing to bargain with. I've played out my hand. And now I'm doomed for all of eternity. No way out. Oh, man. Please send somebody to tell them not to come here. Don't come here. My tongue is parched. I'm thirsty. I had everything, now I got nothing. I had opportunity. Now I have no opportunity. Better not to have known the book said. Because five senses are going to be there in that place called hell. Five senses. Going to have that memory all those services that I got to be in, all those songs I had opportunity to sing, all that 
the church was doing that I could have been involved with. And I need somebody to go tell because I fell down on my obligation. I didn't tell. I didn't communicate the things that I knew, the things that I experienced. I didn't bring that up. Didn't bring that up. Is there prayer in my home? Is there communication of Scripture in my home? Is there teaching of values, spiritual values going on in my home? Am I getting this across to my children? Now, he said here in Deuteronomy, but your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong and go in and possess the land whither you go to possess it. There are there's places we need to go in and possess. There's new congregations that need to be birthed. There's a work of the Lord to be done. He said, and that ye may prolong your days in the land, which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I want you to listen to verse 13. It shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart, with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in His due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. And he shut up the heavens, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that, ye may, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. They actually took scriptures and put them in a box and wrapped it around their head, and the box was right in their forehead, right between their eyes. And in the box was scripture. Scripture. We want to keep the word of the Lord always before us. Didn't David say, I've set the Lord before me always? I want this consciousness, this God consciousness before me. I want to be thinking about him day in and day out. I want him on my mind. I want to meditate in the, day, in the word of the Lord day and night. 
I want to do that. I want to be like a tree planted by rivers of water that will bring forth fruit in season. I want that to happen. So I want to I want to keep this in memory. And ye shall teach them, your children, speaking of them when, ye, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to cleave unto Him. You know, you've got to get some stickability about you. You've got to get some super glue going here. And I'm going to stick with the church. I'm going to stick with the Lord. I'm going to stick with the truth. Not going to let anything separate me from the love of God, and the power of God, and the glory of God. Not going to allow that to happen. And that's going to take effort, church family. He said, in doing that, he said, every place wherein you put the soles of your feet shall tread, shall be yours. And then he said, There shall no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon as he hath said unto you. Behold, take a look. I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you this day and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. You know, here, O church, the Lord our God is one, and you're not to have any other God before you. No other God. No image of any other God. I'm going to tell you, in this world, it is written in your Bible, there are gods, small g, many, and lords, many. People make gods. People make gods. There's the God I told you about going to the bank to get a loan for the building and property that we bought in Fort Myers, where we attend church and worship, on Fowler Street, we borrowed $1.2 million. God opened that door for us. And we didn't have to put one penny down at all. God arranged all that. And uh, I remember the, the man that was the president of that bank. His name was Jay Shirell. And his father was the president and chairman of the board before him. And uh, he took me to one of the loan officers after we had spoken in his office and I told him what I needed. And he said, all right, come on with me and 
sat me down with the gentleman, and he told the gentleman, he said, this is Senior Pastor Feld. said, he worships God. He said, now we here at the bank, he said, we worship money. Well, there are God's many, Lord's many. I go to a, a place to get a lot of different things. They're diverse. He's a very smart businessman. He took his business that he, he makes frames for pictures. And, uh, but he diversified, and he does a lot of things. Got into printing and all kinds of things. And, uh, but he is a sports enthusiast and uh, involved with all kinds of sports. He's always wearing a shirt or a hat or got pictures on the walls, all kinds of things. Pictures of him and his son at games, professional games, Yankee Stadium, different places. His son has been a bat boy since he was this high. And all the way up now, he's in his 20s and still is for the Marlins. And uh, he, he serves the, the God of sports. That's who he's interested in. That's who he's enthusiastic about. But he knows not to talk to me about it. I've made it clear that I no longer serve that God. That I, and he's Jewish. And I let him know that I serve the one true eternal God. And I'll speak a little Hebrew to him and he'll speak a little to me and you know, I'm trying to make him aware of what's important. That you're not to have any other gods before you. You know, when I came into church, I'd been living a life of sports. I went to Yankee Stadium. I went to where the Mets played at Shea Stadium. I was raised in that part of the world. Seen the Giants play, the Jets. Even had a guy that I played ball against that played for the Jets, several of them, as a matter of fact. And, uh, but you know, when I got the Holy Ghost, friend, I couldn't have cared less about any of that. I mean, out the window, just care nothing about it anymore. I didn't want that to have a grip on me any longer. Matter of fact, I didn't have to much think about it because it just didn't have a grip on me any longer. God just delivered me. How He, with His mighty power, His mighty hand, and His great glory, delivered me from many spirits that set about to destroy my life and were destroying, were distracting me, were leading me in the wrong ways and keeping me preoccupied with things that could never save, things that could never deliver. And as we come to this time in which we live, this New Testament time, 
where it's no longer shadow and type, where it's no longer a preview, where it's no longer a blueprint. But now, you and I have the very thing. We have the reality. We have why Jesus gave his life on that cross. We have why he shed his blood on that cross. We have why he was so obviously and evidently and powerfully crucified before us. Because you know what? Men and women had an obligation and they, they fulfilled their obligation. They brought it to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation. And in so doing, it's gotten to you and I through much sacrifice and much perseverance. The Bible said women received their dead raised to life again. And others saw people sawn asunder. Okay? Not some little magician's trick, but actual happened. And that they turned to flight the armies of the aliens and the barbarians and the foreigners and those that were against the message. Men and women that not only lived in dens and mountains and caves and deserts, but also in catacombs because the emperor and the religious groups were seeking out people of the truth. Acts 2.38, we'll close. Acts 2.38, you can get ready anyway. They were seeking them out. Do you realize that they, they rose up through the government of the land, of the world at that time, and they began to seek out people like you and I that were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And they begin to kill them, slaughter them, because they were baptized in Jesus' name, because they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, because they believed in one God and not. I had a, a woman say to me the other night, Henry and Artie were there and, and uh, Patrick and Alex Petion. And she said, everybody is against you. Everybody says that you're wrong because you believe in one God and not in a trinity of gods. And I had my Bible and I slapped my Bible. And I said, you show me Trinity in that Bible and I'll give you $1,000 right now. Well, that pretty much ended that discussion right about then. You know. Oh, yeah. I remember a woman told me one time, she vowed and declared that the Bible, she told her husband who was coming to church, vowed and declared 
that the Bible said be kind to dumb animals. And I said, sir, that's nowhere in the Bible. The word animals isn't even a Bible term. Beasts is a Bible term. King James Version. And uh, he said, oh, my wife knows. She has a concordance at home. I said, well, you go get your wife and tell her to bring her concordance. And let's find out where that chapter and verse is. Be kind to dumb animals. And I said, you tell her I'll give her $1,000 if she can produce it. And uh, she never did produce that. Like the time I went down to the banyan tree. And a uh, group of them out there taking a reunion picture. Right here, you know, a little stooped, a little older. I don't know what class they were graduates of, what year, but they did, and they were having pictures taken. And, and uh, all because they said, you know, the word was going around through the media that it's going to be the last day. The world was going to end. And I was walking up to the restaurant, and that got said. And I said, no, it's not. It's not going to end tomorrow. It was Thursday, and it was supposed to end Friday. I said, no, it's not going to end tomorrow. And one guy popped up, that's piped up, that spirit in him. Now, you can't know that, Rev. <laughs> and I said, I know that. And I said, no, I'll meet you right here tomorrow. That's been many tomorrows. And I'm right here. And you're right here. Yeah. And then there was a guy that was telling everybody, one among many, telling everybody that Jesus was coming and that they needed to flee away to the mountains. We had somebody here in Pahokee did that. Pahokee and, and Lewiston. She told everybody that the lake was going to overflow. Any of you remember that? Yeah. And on the radio, telling everybody, sell what you got and move, I think she said to Georgia. Isn't Georgia where the hurricane was just at? Maybe they're the ones that need to worry about the lake overflowing. But, uh, you know, I heard she moved back here. Then there was the folks in California that said that California was going to break off into the ocean. I think that was 50 years ago. I think his name was Abernathy. And uh, lo and behold, we're still here. You know, you might want to get with chapter and verse. You might want to get subject matter. You might want to listen to what Paul said to a group of people. A Newly birthed congregation of people that are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And they're being attacked by spirits. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, the guy said to go into the mountains and move away. He was in jail. And he was telling his disciples from the jail cell, 
And so he told them, this Saturday is it. The last day. Jesus is coming. And so they all did what he said. They gave things away and they moved up into the mountains. And lo and behold, Saturday came. No Jesus. First resurrection didn't take place. So they went to the jail. And they said, what's going on? You told us that he was coming. We gave everything, sold everything, ran away to the mountains, and we're ready to go, and nothing happened. What's going on? He said, you misinterpreted what I said. You misunderstood what I said. Oh. Yeah. Then, then in 1988, now let's see, 98, 08, that's 27 years ago, 26 years ago, 26 years ago, I was helping my pastor, and uh, they had this guy on the radio, day in and day out. 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 88. So I started teaching 88 reasons why he wasn't coming in 88. And, uh, you know, this guy was fresh out of the psycho ward. Okay? When they did a little background check on him. And uh, there were two ladies in Arkansas. And they both claimed, because of this guy teaching this, that they had gotten saved. Now, they didn't know how to get saved. But they were told. And they each got a gun. And they shot each other, dead, at the same time, on three. One, two, three, boom, shot each other dead. And they told their family and friends the reason they were doing that was because they'd gotten saved, Jesus was coming any day now, and they didn't want to sin. I guess suicide is no longer a sin from which you cannot repent. <laughs> Confusion, church family. Confusion. He said, oh foolish, Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who indeed? What kind of spirit? that you should not obey the truth. Now, just what's going on? You need to ask yourself, what's going on? This persuasion, he said in one place, is not of him that calls you. Not at all. You better pay attention to where the words are coming from, the source of them. When it's causing you, affecting you negatively, that you're being drawn away from the Lord and from the church and from what all the church is doing and from your obligations. He said, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been obviously set forth, crucified among you, 
He said, this only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit? He's talking to people that are baptized in Jesus' name now. He's talking to people that are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made complete by the flesh? Are we going backwards? Are we going to start doing fleshly things and carnal things? Am I going to send away for season passes to the to Yankee Stadium? You know? Am I going to start going back to the clubs and the places that I came out of? Am I going to find c- completion or perfection in doing that? Am I going to be able to finish what's been started in me by drawing on the flesh that the Bible said, in my flesh, in our flesh, dwells no good thing. There's nothing good there at all. Nothing good at all. The flesh cannot produce spiritual things, godly things eternal things, okay? The flesh is weak, and you have to become aware that when I would do good, when I would do the spiritual, when I would do what's right, I must recognize that there's an evil presence that's fighting me, resisting, trying to keep me, trying to distract me, trying to pull me in all kinds of directions, He said, are you so foolish? He said, have you suffered so many things? You know, you've pushed through so many things. You've fought through so many things. You've resisted so many spirits and gotten victory. And God has blessed so many ways. He said, he therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you. How many things you've seen. Doeth he it by the works of the law? Did that happen by the law? Or by the hearing of faith? See, these people's battle was they had come out of the law. They'd been delivered from rituals. They'd been delivered from those kind of things. And now there's an element. There's a group. There's family. There's friends. Co-workers. All kinds of people that are coming around infiltrating their lives and saying, you ought to come back and do it that way. You know, And somehow our minds have a way of forgetting pain. Well, that's good. I'm glad. And misery and discomfort. I'm glad for that. But let's not forget where we came from. Let's not forget what God delivered us from. Let's obey the Lord, and not only get, but maintain by continued obedience the blessings of the Lord in our lives. Everybody said, praise the Lord. You can stand now. God bless you. The forwardness of your mind is what I'm appealing to. That you're not a quitter.
You're not a backer-upper. You heard about the little boy that that uh, they asked him what he was going to be when he grew up. He said, I'm going to be a truck backer-upper and a ditch digger-outer. Well, we're not going to be backer-uppers. Okay? We're not backing up. Our mind has been set by the Spirit of the Lord and by all the teachings of the Lord. We're not quitters. We're going forward. You're called to go forward. He remarked about the forwardness of your mind. We're pressing forward the mark and the, for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's what we're doing. We're not going back. Okay. We're not going to do that. We're not going to draw on the flesh and have defiance, rebellion, pride. We're not going to have those things. We know and we recognize those spirits and we're not going to allow them to re-enter into our lives and into our thinking. We're going to keep telling you about the little Jamaican song. We're going to shut the door and keep the devil on the outside. Okay? Shut the door in his face. you got to shut the door on some things. You know? you got to shut the door on some things. I remember I wasn't in the church very long. I mean, maybe a couple of months. And we had family come down from New York. They were staying over on Miami Beach. We went over to have lunch with them, cousins and aunts and uncles, the whole nine yards. And uh, I remember that the cousins wanted us, asked me if I would go in, because I was old enough, and purchase them some liquor. And I looked at them and I said, no. And I mean, it was, a, it, was, it was a pressure there. It was a peer pressure. And it, they started, oh, come on. And they started all that. I just said, no. I said, I'm not doing that. I will not do that. And I didn't do that. And uh, as time went on, more and more, they learned that we weren't going backwards. We actually went through a time when they attempted to kidnap my wife. They were going to take her back to New York. You know? Very bold spirits that rose up against us because of the truth. But you don't get completed by the flesh. You get completed by walking in the Spirit. By continuing in the spiritual things. Everybody said, Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. Now I'm looking back, coming up to 45 years, 44 in the church, and uh, 45 of marriage next month. 
And uh, I robbed a cake cradle. I married her when she was barely out of diapers. And uh, they, uh, they'd never forgiven me for that. That's their tough luck. I guess they had to adjust and learn to live with it. But you know what? Because of God, because of the church, because of the truth, because of this experience, because of beginning in the Spirit, we continue to move forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Whereas they have suffered divorces, they have suffered all kinds of loss, sickness and disease, Problems on every hand. Oh, friend. And yet they predicted. They predicted. They'll never make it. She'll be back home in a couple of years. They'll be divorced. They made all kinds of predictions. And you know what? Their predictions died with them. Many of them are dead. I want to tell you, I want to stay with the church. I want to fight off the influence of lost family and so-called friends. Those aren't my friends anymore. My fellowship is in the church. I hang out with people in the church. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give God a big hand, shall we? Amen. Let's take a moment as she sings. Let's lift our hearts with our hands and worship the Lord. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, Holy King. Oh, Lord, I praise you. Oh, Lord, I love you. Oh, Lord, I need you. Blessed be the Lord, my God. I'm praising after you. No matter what I have to do.